Welcome back to the pod, everybody. It's Austin, and today is January 21st. Got another new episode coming at you guys. Uh, since the last time I recorded, um, you know, what's happened? Uh, well, we officially have a new president yesterday. Uh, January 20th, 2021 was Inauguration Day. Uh, Joe Biden is now the, the sitting president of the United States, uh, and it's already been kind of a bit of a roller coaster he's already kind of taken some pretty drastic moves uh in office to kind of undo some things that that president trump had done and i think for a lot of us that was that was pretty much expected uh i think that uh we're kind of waiting to see the big moves to come with uh i don't you know cabinet seats whatever maybe some of those have been named already i'm not sure um i know we all probably have a lot of apprehension around uh around all that and i guess we'll just stay tuned and see what happens right only so much we can do and it's kind of what uh, i wanted to talk about this episode you know there's only that that phrase there's only so much we can do right um and, and right now it's really easy right to feel kind of helpless uh the election is lost donald trump is no longer the president the democrats have the house and the senate Right. So, um, I think I mentioned this in the last episode or, you know, last two episodes, whatever, the last time that we had this, this sort of, uh, political trifecta on the left, uh, the Clinton administration enacted a 10 year assault weapons ban, right? Uh, for 10 years, AR style weapons were legally manufactured, uh, you know, high capacity magazines, all that stuff, right? From, I believe it was 94 to 2004. Uh, it was like a total blackout in this country on what you, well, what could be produced, right? Um, if you owned it prior to that, you were okay. If not, um, well, sucks to suck, which is, uh, you know, potentially what we could be looking at in the near future here. So we can only do so much, right? What can we do right now to try and to help to, to really affect some meaningful change, right? Cause you can't, you're not going to undo the election. You're not going to change who's in office in the next four years, right? Um, well, the big one is, well, there's another election in two years for Senate seats, right? For for other offices, which I've um, seen, get out and vote, right? I mean, make your voice heard uh, and, and get people in office that you agree with. Like, really do your research. You know, I think that with politics becoming so heightened right now, and maybe it's it's probably a combination of things. And a lot of people hated Donald Trump, but a lot of people were just sitting at home on our computers, right? Uh, and watching the TV, because we're on lockdown, so uh, there's like a heightened sense of political awareness, right, or, or um, current events, you know, and albeit skewed depending on where you get your news source, you know, what's your news source, whether it's a conservative source or a liberal source, right, um, and that kind of makes the difference, but, um, you know, get out and and pay attention, get out and vote, pay attention to what people stand for and what, they, what they're campaigning on. And for the love of God, let's get some of these dinosaurs out of the Senate and the House. People that just need to go. You shouldn't be serving in that office that at that not at that high level anyway. Into your eighties, into your late seventies. You just if you've been in politics forty plus years, you're you're just you're so out of touch with what's going on, and that that's pretty obvious. I think in more cases than just you know a lot of people could point at Joe Biden for a lot of different things, but. I'm just saying in general, right? Look at your grandparents, like your grandparents. Are they in touch with the values and the wants and the needs and desires that you have today? No, it's a totally different world. Look at the technology we have, the, the way life has changed, you know, um, but past that, right? What can we do? 
is you can teach, right? Uh, I mentioned this before and since things have really started heating up uh, on the, with the lockdown, it's like the past year, but especially, you know, recently it's uh, people asking questions. Um, you're, Hey, I want to buy a gun or um, most recently people approaching me saying, well, well, what do you need that for? Why does anybody need this? And those are the kinds of questions that I guess as, as somebody who's, who's pro two a, um, and, and wants to actively grow the, uh, you know, I'm not saying the mindset because it's the name of the podcast, but grow this mindset, grow this, uh, this idea, this culture, right? That the, two, the second amendment is, is, is something worth fighting for. It's something worth preserving. It's something we, we all are a entitled to, but need, um, and should not allow our government to restrict or regulate. Um, those are the kinds of questions you should want to get and should take full advantage uh, to embrace the and embrace that opportunity, you know, to to educate your fellow man. Because I think a lot of people go off of what they see on the news, what they see in movies, um, you know, what they're told by, um, you know, media outlets or their friends who might be more enlightened or, you know, and you got to love those people, right? The ones that just Google everything and think that they got the world figured out because they know how to work the Googler. Uh, it's just not, it's just not quite how it works. Um, you know, so I had, I had a, you know, somebody get in touch with me and, and, uh, a coworker at, at work and we had a pretty good discussion. I mentioned this during the last episode too, but what I wanted to really hit on was, um, just looking at how you're helping pass this information, right? So, um, you, you almost have to be hypersensitive because it's such a, a touchy issue that, if somebody starts getting a bad vibe, if somebody's feeling like you're talking down to them or putting them down or treating them poorly, they're just going to, you know, bug out of the situation altogether, right? They're going to run away and they're just going to say, well, that, that just goes towards reinforcing this already like shitty concept that conservatives are bad. Conservatives are evil. People with guns are hyper aggressive, you know, alpha male types, you know, or they're compensating for a small cock, you know, whatever whatever, right? Uh, So you want to stray, you want to, you want to stay away from, from that message and that kind of impression as much as you can. So when somebody asks, why does somebody need an AR-15? You know, how do you respond to that? You know, there's a lot of ways, like the the typical one is because the second amendment or because America or because the constitution tells me I, I can, uh, or it's my, you know what I mean? Like you could, you could be that prototypical douchebag and respond that way, like meet their curiosity with aggression. Um, and, but it's not going to go well. So how do you, how do you turn that, that interaction into a positive encounter? You know, why do you need an AR-15? Well, John or Mary, whatever, you know, whoever you're talking to, just the AR-15 is a very common platform. It's probably the, the second most common rifle platform in the world today. Okay. Uh, it shoots a, a relatively small cartridge. It's, it's popular for hunting applications. It's popular for target shooting. Uh, it, it's popular for defensive shooting. Uh, and it's not what you see in them. It's not a machine gun. And, you know, and it was brought up to me, you know, AR-15 stands for, you know, how many bullets you can shoot per second or something. And I go, nope, that's, that's not how that works. Um, what AR actually stands for is Armalite Rifle, Armalite being the company in the 1950s that designed, that this design uh, came from them. And the 15 was the patent number, right? Because there's AR-10s out there too, right? 
So AR doesn't mean assault rifle, which is, uh, again, if you watch, there's tons of, uh, you know, short clips on Instagram or YouTube on these pro 2A pages where people just, they just blast the, the mainstream media for putting this false knowledge and false narrative out there. But AR equals assault rifle. Any normal American with no gun experience is going to say, okay, makes perfect sense to me. Right? So BMW is Bavarian Motorworks. Like, okay. At least I'm pretty sure that's what BMW stands for. Anyways, you know, VW, Volkswagen, AR, assault rifle, duh. Perfectly, perfectly fine. So then when a politician gets in front of them and says, you don't need your AR-15, you go, well, yeah, no one needs an assault rifle. Okay. Right? Understandable. But it's not an assault rifle. Assault is, it's a verb, right? You can't use that to classify a type of rifle. What you're doing then, and ironically, the, the, the hypocrisy that comes with all this is you're classifying something purely based on how it looks and not how it works or functions, sort of like society you know, has this predisposition to doing to each other based off of race, and, or at least according to the left. Um, going off appearances alone is, is a poor concept, yet it, they do it at you know, so many different turns of, in life. So you know, AR-15. Um, you know, it's a single shot rifle. Okay. It's one round per trigger pull. That's it. It's not multi, you know, burst fire. It's not rapid fire. It's not a machine gun. Uh, and you know, you have to be positive when you're explaining this. Don't jump into a bunch of terms. It's a five, five, six caliber rifle barreled in, uh, you know, one to seven to one to nine twist with a 16 inch barrel, 18 inch being optimum. Like don't get into all that. Right. Just let them drive the conversation. Just explain, well, an AR-15 is a modern sporting rifle. It looks like what's used in the military. It's not. It doesn't do any of those things that you, that you just asked about. What you're thinking of is actually called an M4 and select fire, like you're talking about, like a machine gun, right, is actually illegal for most of us to own. And you can only, you know, procure those kinds of weapons legally uh, with, a, with a license that's very difficult to get. Don't talk about what kind of license it is, what all goes into it. Just it's a very difficult license to get. And if they ask, well, what goes into it, then if you happen to know, you can have that discussion. Personally, I've never looked into it because I have no desire to, to own a belt fed weapon or, a, you know, select fire weapon. I just me personally, I don't I don't have the extra income to justify the ammo consumption, especially, especially right now. Right. And. You know, uh, to people that, you know, want to go even further than that and they say, well, okay, well then why do you need a 30 round magazine? Well, you know, again, the answer could be, well, why not? Or, uh, cause freedom, cause America, uh, it, it, I find that when you're trying to convince somebody of something, right. When you're trying to bring them around to your way of thinking, to your train of thought, to understand and think about it. Cause we are all so, so hesitant to change our way of thinking, especially to even just admit that we're wrong these days. But really, how would you answer that? If somebody said, why do you need a 30 round magazine? You know, would you have a good answer? Cause most people wouldn't. All right. Unless you've taken the time to think about it or you read somewhere and you found an answer that, that really resonated with you and really makes sense. I mean, honestly, um, do you need 30 rounds? Maybe not. Um, but that's not a high capacity magazine. And that's what I would jump to in that discussion and say, well, 30 rounds is a standard capacity magazine. They go, no, that's a high capacity. No, technically high capacity magazine was a term created by the media to be used when defining anything that, that whatever political idea deemed to be 
more than you needed. So, you know, more than 10 rounds, anything over 10 rounds is a high capacity magazine because handguns only hold 10 rounds. So your rifle shouldn't need to hold more than that, which is wrong because handguns are pretty standard. Even the small compacts we see now, obviously with things like the, the P365 from SIG, the, uh, the Hellcat, right, from Springfield Armory, that's, uh, I think it's the newest one on the market, uh, the Glock uh, 43X. Glock 43X and 48 are 10 plus 1. Uh, you get into the 365, it's, again, 10 plus 1 or 12 plus 1, depending on the magazine, and the Hellcat's like 14 plus 1, right? And these are small, subcompact carry pistols, so it's kind of a a dumb argument, but you could also make, you could also say, you know, have you ever seen... Um, you know, some of those videos online, you ever watch live PD or cops, uh, you ever seen those videos on YouTube or online, uh, the, the police body cam footage when they're facing somebody who's high on drugs, excuse me, uh, you know, high on, high on drugs or, or under some kind of influence or just a big person. And most people have, cause they get shared all over the place. Um, you know, good for good reasons and bad reasons, but they do get shared and they circulate a lot. <clears throat> um, most police officers are issued either a, uh, a Glock 17 or a uh, Smith & Wesson M&P, right? It's a 17 plus one handgun. When someone's coming at you, regardless of what anybody tells you, even, you know, unless you have like the highest level of training, um, you know, you're, you're shooting to stop that threat. You don't know if it's going to take one round or if it's going to take 10 rounds to stop that person there's there's records there's you know been events where people have been shot more than 10 times and and not been killed or incapacitated if i mean if it's all wound you know wounds on on limbs and things and somebody's on meth or pcp or whatever you know it's just you you don't know right it's the same reason that we talk about carrying a spare magazine with your gun right because you don't know maybe the follower or the spring has an issue on your your main magazine and you need to swap them out that's not a question of capacity. That's a question of reliability, right? Um, now, obviously, this particular argument is a capacity, but you know, you don't. And people want to jump to hunting too. You don't need more than ten rounds to hunt. Well, you know what? Maybe not. But there's already laws in place saying that you can't hunt with more than five rounds, at least here in Michigan. So, you know, hunting is not the only thing people do with firearms. Okay, and um, people miss too. Keep that in mind in a home defense or self defense situation. If you miss. Stopping to reload, that I mean that that could be your ass. Truthfully. And I'm not talking this isn't any like Call of Duty type ego trip stuff. Like in real life, reloading under pressure and reloading under stress is, you know, people fumble magazines. That's why we talk about practicing reloads, right? Not to get faster necessarily. I mean fast, yes, because it's efficient, but you build that memory. You you build that muscle memory in in those connections uh, in, in your brain on how to successfully carry out that reload, so that when you're under stress and under pressure, you fall back on that that muscle memory that that memory of this is how this works. You're not fumbling and fiddling with the magazine. You don't try inserting it backwards. You don't jam it in the wrong way and end up in, you know incapacitating the firearm altogether. So. You know, talking about capacity is, it's very relative to the situation. You're out in the country, you know, fine, but, uh, you know, you could be shooting at a distance, you could be shooting, you know, only three or four times to scare an animal away. If you have, you know, uh, if you're a farmer, you have livestock of some variety, you could live in the city, right? CQB being what it is, yeah, you might miss. Now, that granted, that is to say you're responsible for every round that leaves that barrel, right? So... 
it's another consideration, not necessarily pertinent to this discussion, but you know, the, to get back to the point of why do you need 30 rounds? It's because you know, you don't know. I might not, but I might actually need all 30, you know, and, and you, you gotta, again, be positive and, and just answer the question. Well, because you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, well, you can stop one person with three, four, five rounds, maybe seven. Cool. Um, what if there's more than one guy? Yeah. What if there's more than one guy? You know, when I took my CPL class uh, years ago, my first one years ago, the gentleman that ran the class was a retired uh, sheriff's deputy, and he was the training sergeant for this particular sheriff's office. And one of the things that he pointed out that I'll, I don't know why, it really resonated with me, and I'll never forget it. You you take down that first guy. What do you do? You know, and I we're all just sitting there. You know, look for his friend, and that's not a go out and kill somebody else thing. That's a that's a look for his friend because bad guys usually don't do stuff alone. And if this one was trying to hurt you, there's a pretty good chance that the other one is too. So find his friend or friends if there's more than two of them. Maybe there's three. You know, and if they're running away, they're running away. You did your job and, and everything's fine, right? But, you know, you start doing some division here and all of a sudden 30 rounds split across three guys. That's 10 rounds per guy on a round that's just slightly bigger than a 22, which people don't realize, you know. And if you're fortunate enough to be in person having this discussion with somebody like I was uh, a couple of years ago now, I, I made it very simple. You know, somebody who was very, he's very left. Uh, I've known him a long time. Uh, he's very much against, uh, you know, people needing, needing, you know, firearms that hold more than 10 rounds or an AR platform rifle. By the way, he's not a gun owner. Will never be a gun owner. His words, not mine. Um, for a variety of reasons saying that someone like myself, we, we, you know, normal people, we don't need those kinds of rifles because of the killing ability of the round. So how you can counter something like that because you you know a lot of people want to say that the ar platform rifle because i mean it's like 95 percent the same as the m4 right minus a select fire okay it's designed for war it's designed to create mass death say well i mean most firearms are whether you're hunting or not so let's i mean just put that one away and say well every gun has the same purpose uh unfortunately it's to kill you know it is that's it's that's its purpose in the world um, but you can, you know, okay, so this is too dangerous, right? This rifle is too dangerous. Can I still have a shotgun? Well, yeah, you know, cause that's, that's a shotgun. It's fine. Okay. So what I did is I took out a two, two, three round and I took a 12 gauge slug and put them next to each other. And so you're telling me this, this is the size of my, my fucking thumb. This slug is okay for me to have, but this two, two, three round, which is, like, I don't know, like the size of a pencil, <laughs> smaller even, um, you know, this is apparently too dangerous. Well, uh, you know, uh, and it's, and people, and it gets people thinking and you just got to present it. You can't, you know, you need to be a douche about it. Like I kind of just was, but it's, here's the size here. So you're saying that this one's okay, but this one's not purely based off of how the two different firearms look, right? A shotgun can be every bit as deadly as a rifle. Okay. And it gets portrayed as the home defense weapon because a lot of movies, that's just what people have is a shotgun. And for a lot of years in America, every family had a shotgun because every family hunted or somebody in the house hunted. So you have your, your hunting shotgun. It just happens to be the dual purpose. 
and whatever movie or TV show, whatever that you're watching, you go get the family shotgun, and then it's you know you're indoctrinated through this concept is through through the media, through motion picture, through whatever that the shotgun is the good old fashioned American defense weapon, and it's the only one. You know, you don't see in movies where dad goes down to the basement and gets his AR out to defend the house from, you know, people coming to try and burn down the farm or, you know, racists throwing a brick through their window. You know, cause I, for a reason, I think about the scene from uh, Remember the Titans, right, where Denzel Washington gets his shotgun out. You know, you don't see it. It's not portrayed the same. You know, so we are, we're kind of like brainwashed almost to just believe and, and see and feel like the AR rifle is is something bad is something that, that quote-unquote normal people don't need or shouldn't have second amendment is the right the, the right to keep and bear arms uh to help to help fight a tyrannical government um so to that point um and I, I, this i wouldn't necessarily recommend as being how you try to sway somebody but if they i mean you could i guess if the conversation goes there um when we won our independence, we were fighting the British with the same weapons that they had. We had, you know, flintlock muskets the same as they had, and cannons the same as they had. Okay, you know, uh, the Patri- Patriots, we, we had the same weapons. Um, today, by comparison, the, it, it, the same should be true. However, now we have so many more gun laws, right? You can't have select fire, um, can't have belt fed. I don't think, anyways, I'm pretty sure you can't because of the, the rapid fire. Um, suppressors, you need to pay for a tax stamp. Night vision is obscenely expensive. Owning a tank, blah, blah, blah. And that's what people just want to write it off and say, are you are you saying if we ever went to war with the government, you seriously think that the people would do anything against them? You know, well, I really hope that it never happens. I mean, I don't think it would ever come to that. Um, but, I mean, it's happened before. Look at right, the Civil War. Uh, look at the Revolutionary War. Yes, do they ha- are they better equipped with better training and overall better weapons? Yeah, does that necessarily mean it's a guaranteed victory? No, it doesn't. You know, and that's and that's that's the foundation of, of the country and why it was only the Second Amendment ever you know made to the Constitution, save only for arguably the most precious, which is our guaranteed freedom of speech, the First Amendment. Okay, and a lot of people for that reason call the Second Amendment the guardian to the first. Okay, because what protects your free speech? Your ability to fight back against an oppressive government. If they take away your guns and then you can't defend yourself from an oppressive government anymore, they can oppress you, they can censor you, and then you're in, you know, communist China. Call it what it is, right? So, I mean, getting off the point, but you kind of got to, sometimes you almost even have to connect those dots for people to really understand. And this, you got you, you to gotta really you know, know going into the conversation that you may not win them over immediately. Maybe you don't win them over at all. Um, but maybe, maybe you do. Uh, maybe you, if nothing else, they walk away being better informed and not thinking so negatively of gun owners, thinking so negatively of those that are prepared to defend themselves, uh, that, 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 you know, want to hold themselves accountable for their own safety and their own preparation in the event that things go sideways, that don't want to be a victim, you know, and explain to them it's, it, it's okay that people have these things. You know, I, and it's, I, I told the, the, the coworker I was speaking with, I don't personally own a suppressor because I don't want to spend the $200 on a tax stamp. I think it's a ridiculous gun law because silencers, okay, suppressors, whatever, don't actually make the gun whisper quiet like they do in Hollywood. 
So therefore, I, I really don't see why it needs to be regulated the way that we have it regulated. So I, my personal decision is that I just haven't paid for one. You know, I've, I would like one, just not right now. And I don't also want to have to wait like six to 12 months to get my tax stamp back from the government saying it's okay for me to own this. Um, but, you know, it, it, you have to, it's like, it's like explaining to a child for the first time something. Um, you just have to be slow and calm with it and, and share the message, you know. And it's the same thing as much as much as it is with guns. It's just as much with all the other gear that goes with it. Um, I had friends ask me why I needed a helmet, right? I put it up on the Instagram. They go, why do you need a helmet? Why not? Holds my, my hearing protection, which I have to have since I can't have a suppressor, right? So, and I can mount a light to it since being able to see what I'm shooting at is essential. Being able to see what I'm doing is essential. Uh, I can put a little you know, illuminator indicator on the back of my helmet so people can see me in the dark, right? Why not have a helmet? Just a bump helmet. Just don't hurt your head when you fall. I mean, you, you have a helmet on when you rollerblade, right? Why not anything else? What's the, oh, because it's, because it's attached to this concept of, of firearms, it must then be just ludicrous that you have it. That's, I mean, that's something that we've been indoctrinated into believing as a society. Same thing with a plate carrier. Because, and this is something that um, they talked about real heavily on one of the T-Rex the talks or T-Rex uh, arms live videos on YouTube when they were talking about the different kinds of uh, camouflage patterns and things like this that, uh, when you're talking about what kind of camo to wear, what colors to wear, what color gear to buy, right? Is that the, Americans, the American people through TV shows and uh, movies and you know magazine ads, whatever, we've been uh, taught and uh you know imprinted on that if you're wearing a ski mask if you're wearing a navy blue jumpsuit you wear an all black you know uh black plate carrier or ballistic vest with a black belt and black gloves and black boots uh, you, you must be there to do something wrong you must not be a good guy um and black's a clean look i get it um however you got to understand that it does come with some connotations right same reason why anybody asks me you know what kind of you know i want to buy a rifle i'm getting an ak i tell people i wouldn't they go oh yeah but the 762 round because they've done the research on all this stuff apparently but they just haven't bought anything yet and, you know i really wouldn't well why not well because um the ak is the bad guy's gun and they go oh come on that's just bullshit which it is and i think you really want an ak man you can go get your ak you you want to run the 545 the 762 you do you man knock yourself out whatever makes you happy and there's guys out there that love the ak it's a great platform it hasn't changed in like 80 years and it's because it's a great platform it's reliable you know, there's a reason why everybody else outside the united states of america uses them and has been using them um, but you got to think here in America, if you're in a situation where you have to defend your home, defend yourself, whatever people show up, whether it's the police or other, other citizens. And you know, what people are trained to believe is guy holding the AK is a bad dude. Guy holding the AR is the good person. That's an American soldier or a police SWAT officer or something, you know, or, Hey, they're in all black. The good guys usually wear olive green. So, you know, there's some there's some thought process that goes behind that, but it's the point I'm trying to get at is that it's okay for American people to own this stuff because it's just protective gear, and it, that more than anything should be acceptable. Like, why do you need a bulletproof vest? Well, because people shoot people, and 
I'd like to not get shot if at all possible. And if I do get shot, I'd like to stop the ones going towards my vital organs. Like what's, what's menacing or are threatening about, about that, you know? And I've had that conversation with people. I go, yeah, I have body armor. I, I own armor plating. And they go, oh, what do you need it for? You know, everyone just assumes you're going to use it to like rob a bank because stuff happens. And right now you can, you actually have the added benefit of saying, well, have you watched the news lately? Oh yeah, I've seen what's going on. Oh, so you see the rioting and the looting and the shooting and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Okay. Well, I just, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? None of us do. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. I just want to be prepared. Um, another person on uh, social media, Josh Lowry, right? Just moved from the Pacific Northwest, um, to, uh, Tennessee to work at TRX arms. Right. Uh, I said his, he, I think he worked at like, uh, I think it was called core vision training. Um, got a pretty big following on Instagram. Uh, he's gonna be working with the TRX crew now and stuff and a uh, really solid dude from all the content he's produced, but he made a really good point. Um, having a plate carrier, you know, his wife worked downtown, right? And this is in the midst of all the rioting and the looting and everything going on. And you don't know when things are going to blow up. It could be any day, any time based off of a court decision or, uh, God forbid, a police officer kills a citizen uh, unjustly, or maybe it is just, and they're just, you know, people don't want to wait for the facts anymore. You don't know. So in that kind of scenario, in that kind of event, and you know, just like he was talking about his wife works downtown, you need to go downtown in the middle of that and get your wife. You need to get her out of there, or maybe it's vice versa. You need to get, you need to help get your husband out because he's at work and his office doesn't allow any guns and he doesn't have anything on him. You know, you need to go get him out. Yeah. Protective equipment. You can most of these plate carriers you can strip down to just the plates and wear under a jacket and it's just going to help protect you that that's all you know if you get shot in the chest and it's not even to say that you're you know this this misleading concept that if you're wearing body armor that you just you know you can get shot a hundred times and you'll be fine it's not like in the video games or in um i guess like the beginning of the movie uh swat right 2003 samuel L. jackson and colin farrell um you know, they, they're recreating the North Hollywood shootout bank robbery. And those guys are wearing flak jackets and, you know, uh, ballistic pads on, uh, you know, their upper bodies. So they're just getting shot a ton by small arms fire. Um, and it's not taking them down. Right. That's not exactly how that works. You know, I mean, if you have that big bulky thing on, you know, maybe you'll be more protected, but it's not complete invulnerability. You know, it stops handgun rounds, rifle rounds are a different, you know, animal altogether. And you can even point that out, but look at everything that's going on in the world. Why, why wouldn't you have this protective gear? You know what I mean? Um, and also it gives you the ability to carry medical and, but nobody seems to necessarily question that until you start getting into it. Like, Oh yeah, I have a tourniquet. I remember I, I brought it out at uh, work. I had one in my, my uh, laptop bag at work and I pulled up, put it on my desk cause I was digging for something. And, uh, that one's bright orange. And, uh, somebody goes, well, what is that? Your, your safety belt or something? And I go, no, it's a tourniquet. They go, what? You know, it's a, it's a tourniquet. You know, you, you tighten it around when you, you get a real bad cut or you get shot or something, it stops bleeding. You, it's a tourniquet. Why do you have that? Why not have that? Right. And people just go, oh, yeah, okay. You know, but, but seriously, um, why not have it? It's better to, you know, have it and not need it than need it and not have it. 
especially because, you know, most people don't carry anything like that with them. I mean, some women now carry band-aids, you know, you got, especially got small kids and stuff happens. Maybe you're just, you work in an office, get lots of paper cuts, but you don't really have, you don't have gauze, you know, stuff happens all, all the time, you know? So being prepared and having that stuff, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't make you uh, look or feel paranoid for being prepared in that manner. It really shouldn't. I, uh, you know, I have a kit in my car, a blowout kit. I have, uh, like I was just saying, a tourniquet that I carry in my laptop bag. Uh, I have a mini first aid kit that I've picked up during lockdown that will also be going in that bag. And it's it's first aid supplies. And yes, the company has and provides, uh, you know, a defibrillator on the wall in one of the, somewhere in the office, uh, as well as a first aid kit. But I mean, honestly, we went through training on that stuff and nobody knows where it is because you never need it. So when you do finally need it, no one's going to know where it is. And if you're the person who does know, and you're the one who needs the help, that doesn't really help you. Right? Get what I'm saying? So having that stuff, it's okay. And explaining it to people in this way is what's really important. You know, it doesn't make you paranoid, it just makes you well prepared. And yeah, you bust the thing open here. Yep, I got a bandaid for you. Here, here you go. Maybe somebody does fall and, you know, uh, ba- you know, bangs their head off the corner of a uh, file cabinet, God forbid, you know, some, something or around all the time or a table, corner of a table or something, anything, you know, cut yourself real bad, gouge yourself real bad. And you have gauze. You have one of those like crack open or you know, the things of the, the travel cold packs where you break it and shake it. And then it's a cold pack. Granted, not the best, but it's something, you know, you have that stuff with you and, you instantly provided at least some kind of relief and support to that situation until more medical help can be secured. So, you know, I, I really try to explain this stuff to people. I don't, and I don't, I don't push it on them. I just try to explain it. You know, it's not like I walk around going, Hey, you want to see my pocket knife? Hey, you want to see my medical kit? Hey, I carry this flashlight and here, let me tell you about why I let people ask me because normal curiosity will nurture a better conversation than you know, bringing up something to somebody that they may be uncomfortable talking about, you know, uh, especially today where anything and everything can be misconstrued and taken as aggressive or inappropriate, um, or some kind of an attack, or then, you know, you get reported, if it's at work, you get reported to HR, the cops get calling you for brandishing a weapon if it's outside of work, cause they saw your shirt lift up or whatever. Uh, so the only way we can really you know, we can only do so much Well, we can actually do a lot is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, and it, it starts with all of us having these conversations with the people around us, really spreading the information, the correct information. And if you don't know, well, a, I mean, <laughs> learn you some to sound, not to sound like a total bumpkin, but you know, learn about it, right? Get your information from somebody and don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Because that right there is better than painting yourself into a corner on an argument that you're not ready for. Like, well, why do you need suppressors? Well, because, uh, you know, guns are really loud and you need to be able to shoot quieter. Why do you need to be able to shoot quieter? Well, I mean, because it's it's safer, right? How is that safer? People can't hear when someone's being shot near them so more people can die. Well, and then you're just kind of stuck, you know? Uh, whereas if you know what you're talking about, at least to some degree, and you're prepared for that conversation, you say, well, because it makes it safer for them to shoot. Well, why is it safer? Because you can shoot more people and nobody will know. Well, 
that's not true because the suppressor just you know cuts the decibels by like 20 it doesn't make it whisper quiet like it does in the movie you're definitely still going to hear that you know scary ar rifle that you are you're most concerned about it's it's still going to make it pretty loud you might even still need need earplugs depending on the kind of ammo you're shooting but it does make it so that the people around you aren't as at as great of a risk of hearing damage that's that is a more educated and better um statement better argument better uh rebuttal than just you know flying by the seat of your pants and and that honestly i think is what's more dangerous than anything is the people that think they know a lot about preparedness and about survivalism and about firearms and everything um because we've kind of in the 2a community almost built this uh culture of not being able to say i don't know like you know you're somehow you're you're less uh hmm oh obviously less you are less informed because you don't know and that's fine but you know built this culture that it's not okay to not be informed um it's okay to say i don't know i don't own a suppressor i don't own select fire i don't i don't own a sbr well why do you think they make those laws to limit barrel length i don't know is it because of concealability uh, well, I, you know, personally, I don't know, but I can, I don't have an SBR, but I can tell you I have a AR pistol and it's not that concealable. You're not going to hide it under a jacket and take it into a bank. Um, unless you, I mean, you could, if you have a really large overcoat, um, but it's not as, it's not like you're going to hide in plain sight with it. Uh, and also if you talk about barrel length, if you know enough about it, you know, shortening the barrel actually takes away from the ballistic performance on most of these rifles. Okay. If you've done your research and you understand like the Mark, uh, Mark 18 and what came, how that all came about, they cut them down to 10.3 inch barrels a, because 10.3 inch was the point where, uh, you started to lose the ballistic effectiveness of the five, five, six round. So they didn't go any shorter than that, but it was, you know, okay, well, Close quarters combat, need to be able to get around doorways and corners faster. A shorter barrel is lighter and more easy to maneuver. Also, you don't, you're, not, you're indoors. You're not going to be shooting out to 300 yards. In, you know, you got to think about the practical application of it. It can also be stored more easily because it's smaller. It can be carried with uh, people in, you know, troop carriers or, you know, potentially pilots. I know there's shortened versions of all kinds of weapons that pilots carried during different wars and stuff. Um, you know, so if you, if you look some of this stuff up and there's great resources on, you know, obviously the internet on YouTube, uh, there's books written about all of these things. You can, you can find all this information and you can formulate a pretty good, uh, you know, offense or defense. If you really want to put it in those kinds of terms to people looking to you for these kinds of questions. Um, and also here's, here, here's something that's really crucial. And it took me a long time to figure this out in more walks than one of life, but this is crucial. Learn to read the room and learn to read your audience. Know when somebody's genuinely interested, right? When someone genuinely wants to know more and is curious and wants to do, if nothing else, just to form their own educated opinion on the subject. They may still be anti-gun at the end of it, but they actually just have questions versus versus the the asshole who just wants to start a fight or just wants to use Facebook or or Instagram or whatever platform 
to try and flame you and try and make a make a point for themselves uh, because they have a keyboard and and they're a virtue signaler. And they're going to let you know that whatever you're talking about is wrong. Um, those kinds of people, they're everywhere, and you're never going to win with them. No matter how much of an argument you put up, no, how, no matter how well-cited it is, no matter how much experience you have behind it, no matter how many hyperlinks, uh, pictures, proof, graphs, charts, <laughs> testimonials, whatever, no matter how much you have to support it and back it, you're not going to change their mind because their mission, their goal is not to actually learn from you. Their goal is to support their own argument or to tear yours down, not because they're, they actually want to learn. Uh, I, unfortunately I had to learn this the hard way. Uh, I did have, um, right after the, uh, the shooting in, uh, I believe it was Stoneman Douglas high school. Um, it was one of the school shootings a couple of years ago now. And I had a friend reach out to me, you know, cause he knew that I owned firearms, my brother and I owned firearms and wanted, was curious about the process behind buying a firearm. Now, Granted, this is during the Obama administration and, uh, you know, at the very tail end there. And whenever th these things happen, people, there's a rush on guns, right? People are afraid that there's going to be another ban and they're not going to be able to get the AR-15 they wanted or the, the handgun they wanted. So people go out and buy them. So my assumption at the time, not really looking into it, was I was overzealous in trying to share the information and talk about it. I was excited. I had a friend reaching out that wanted to know about guns. Um, so, you know, it's really not that bad. Uh, I, we have our CCWs. So, um, for us, it, you know, it was like a 25 minute process, uh, for me to go in, they had the gun I was looking for. So I just had to do the paperwork and wait for my background to clear and no problems. Well, that individual turned around about three minutes later. I think maybe he asked one or two more questions, uh, three minutes later, and it showed up on a thread post that we were both in talking about how easy it is to get guns and why we need more gun laws because it only, and he didn't even say, I, you know, I just talked to Austin and, and his brother and they told me this, he cited the, inf he, he said it like he knew this information himself and that he was some kind of expert in the matter. And, you know, I think one of us may have called him out for it privately and just said, Hey man, the next time you want to do that, just like leave us the F out of it because, I got no interest in helping you further your political agenda. And of course, no response, no apology, nothing. It's a total dick move by somebody that you considered to be a friend, right? Um, but this is what it is. Nothing's going to change it. So uh, try to read your audience and uh, read the room and, you know, maybe asking, answering a question with a question sometimes is your best defense to, to people like that. You know, hey, uh, how hard is it to buy a gun? well, hey man, cool. Why are you asking? Are you, do you think about buying one? And if they come back with, well, you know, I'm kind of just interested. Then, you know, you know that you can start asking yourself a couple more questions like, eh, do I really want to get into this with somebody, especially if they're not, you know, an outdoorsy type? Can you just tell about some people, like if your hobbies are ballroom dancing and Nintendo and smoking weed, you're probably not much of an outdoorsman looking for looking into self-defense. I could be completely wrong, but you know, um, there's some pretty strong indicators there that this person's probably not going to want to be buying a handgun or a rifle for self-defense. So ask the questions. And if, and if they are looking at buying a gun, like, Hey, I know this stuff's going on. I'm really thinking about picking a gun up to protect the family or to protect myself. 
then you can, pre- and then, you know, A, you give yourself ammunition in a, in a rebuttal to say, hey, you reached out to me and said you were looking at buying one for self-defense purposes. The alternative, and the point that people miss with this, is we're all starting to see it during lockdown too, is um, it was a quick process, right? I think most of the time, anytime I bought a gun prior to COVID, it took me about an hour um, between looking at it asking a couple of questions to the salesperson saying, I want this. They go on back. They got to come get it. Then you start the paperwork. I know at some of the bigger stores that's on the computer um, or used to be at field and stream um, before, you know, dicks went and became a bunch of dicks and uh, stopped supporting the second amendment and pulled guns from their store. Um, that's where I bought my first AR. So the background check, uh, you know, you got to fill out on the computer. That took about 15 or 20 minutes because the form was all computerized and, and stuff. So you read all the questions. Um, it, yeah, it takes about 45 minutes to an hour because the background check does take you know, a couple minutes. Now, I just we just went and bought one the other uh, last week with my wife. And her background check only took about 10 minutes. They did it right there on the phone while we were waiting. And you know, if you don't have a record, if you don't have anything to hide, yeah, your background check's probably going to go pretty okay. Uh, but right now, I remember uh, during lockdown, beginning of June, I went to go look and buy ammo, and uh, they had a sign on the front of the, the store that they couldn't sell any firearms because the demand for firearms was so great that the background check system crashed and failed. So nationwide, there were no gun sales that weekend. Um, and probably parts of the week before and the week after as well, due, just due to crazy demand. Even still now, we went looking, uh, trying to get Lexi her her Glock uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Anyway, um, and there was a guy who had been sitting there waiting for two hours, waiting for his paperwork to come through cleared. Now, I don't know if that was just a simple purchase or if that was some kind of FFL transfer they were waiting on or, or, or what it was, you know, because honestly, you can accept a transfer as long as you're an FFL, I wouldn't go through your normal big box stores, but some people decide to, whatever. Um, it's not always as cut and dry of an experience uh, as everyone wants to make it out to be. Oh, it's so easy to buy a gun. Well, uh, why don't you go try and buy one, man? Because right now, let's look at all the things that are standing in your way. One, you have to actually find one. How's that? <laughs> Two, you actually got to find the ammo because the gun's pretty much useless unless you have the ammunition, Right. Three, right now, most gun ranges aren't open full-time, if they're open at all. My local range is only open on Friday, Saturday, Sunday right now. It doesn't make any sense for them to be open the other four days out of the week because there's just not the business. You can't find the ammo, including them who sell ammo with their range time. They can't get the ammo stocked, right? doesn't make any, any, any sense to do it. So then you have to be able to go to the range so you understand how to shoot the gun and build accuracy. Okay, so just assuming that someone's going to pick up a gun uh, off of a regular store shelf and 20 minutes later be on a shooting spree, it's really not realistic. Um, as much as some people would like us all to believe that. So back to the original point. Um, be that helpful, reassuring source of information. And just let them know, hey, if you have any questions, you know, let me know. Like, I'd be happy to talk to you about this. Or, yeah, man, I'd I'd be more than happy to help you learn about it. Or, you know, I think it's awesome when I have friends reach out to me with these kinds of things. I really like talking about it or I really enjoy explaining it to people because it's really not the way a lot of people believe it is. You know, you have to be positive with it. And 
as far-fetched as it sounds, if enough of us start doing this, enough people that believe in this start doing it, you can see a culture change. You will see a culture change in a couple short years. Hell, look at, I mean, look at things now. People that, all it took was a, you know, potentially world-ending pandemic. Uh, Not even one calendar year. I don't know if you guys realize this, because it was about March when we started entering all of our lockdowns. It has not yet even been one calendar year since the coronavirus pandemic locked down the country. We can't find guns hardly anywhere. We can't find very much ammunition. There are more new gun owners than there have ever been before. And that's not just something that people are saying. There's actually statistics to support it throughout the year. And for the first time in a long time, it wasn't just on Black Friday. It was through the summer. People are concerned, you know, and that culture that of, you know, uh, of being fearful, it's starting to go away. Um, But it's something we all got to work at to make it more normal right? Like you're talking about the protective gear with standard capacity magazines, not 10 rounds, not five rounds, not 20 rounds, standard capacity. High capacity is like 50 rounds and up, like drum style magazines are high capacity and it shouldn't matter. Okay. We have other gun laws on the books that if they're just enforced, take care of most of the issues that people have, but they don't realize that those laws are already on the books. So you know, be helpful, right, to your neighbor. Have the discussion. And it's okay if they don't agree with it. You know, I think that's something we all have to keep remembering during all of this is it's okay if somebody doesn't agree with you and they have a different perspective. They Maybe they don't like guns. They can still think that you don't need a gun. But, um, you know, try and be helpful. Try to be accepting. And don't be an overbearing douchebag about it. You know, don't wear the Confederate flag on the back of your truck and six different Glock stickers and then open carry, right? You got to ease people into it. And that's not an infringement of your rights. That's just being a smart pro to a individual, you know, um, fighting the good fight as it, as it was, you know, uh, trying to win hearts and minds and all that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, it's something that, that I think about daily and I'm starting to run into daily with friends and coworkers and family and, and whatever, uh, people asking these questions and people are, are, are interested. Uh, so I think we really need to seize the opportunity to, to help educate our neighbors and to really, um, spread the message and the concepts and the ideas. That's all I got though. So, uh, until next week, everybody get out there, train, be safe. And as always be prepared.